Good morning and welcome again to Ashland Place United Methodist Church as we continue our sermon series on the resurrection appearances of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to be talking about the resurrection appearance to the disciples as they found themselves in a locked room and then later as Jesus appears to Thomas that we often call Doubting Thomas. Um, as you'll notice we're in a different location. We've been kind of moving around in this virtual world and and here we're in the basement um, trying to give that idea, this notion and feeling of an environment that we are locked away. And many of us know in this season what it feels like to be locked away. As we begin to think about this particular passage and this resurrection appearance, I want to um, just kind of guide us through the timeline and give us some context as to what's happening before we actually read the gospel passage, which is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 20. As we think about what John has reported up to this point, he has talked about how Jesus had this wonderful uh, meal with his disciples at last, that farewell meal and farewell address and prayer for his disciples. And then as they met in that upper room for that um, Passover meal, he told them all that was going to happen. And he broke bread with them and he shared the cup with them and told them this was his body and his blood. And from there he he told them that, they, that, he, uh, would, that Peter would deny him three times and the other disciples would abandon him in his hour of need. And even before all of this even occurred, uh, John tells us that he washed the disciples' feet. It was, was a powerful moment, an offensive moment, as we learn from Peter, as he did not want his feet to be washed, but he would rather wash his, his, his rabbi's feet. But Jesus said, unless he washes, he will have no share with him. It's a powerful moment. And in, in this moment, Jesus is teaching his disciples what it means to love one another as he has loved them. This all occurs in this upper room, this guest house. It's called a, in Greek, it's called the Cataluma, which is a, a room that was used for um, hosting and welcoming guests, family and friends, where they could eat and they could sleep. This is where they had gathered for this wonderful, powerful Passover meal. And Jesus continued to teach, continued to lead, continued to love. This was a powerful evening for these men and for the women who were there. Later that night, as he walked through the garden with his disciples, he was arrested by the temple guard and a collection of Roman soldiers. It was at that point that most of the disciples abandoned. They scattered, they hid. But Peter and this disciple whom is known as the disciple whom Jesus loved followed along behind Jesus and went to the high priest's home. And they made their way into the courtyard. And that's where, Je where Peter would deny Jesus three times. From there, Jesus would be taken to Pilate's judgment seat. And Pilate would eventually, at the urging and the screaming and the yelling of the of the priest and the Jewish leadership would condemn Jesus to die on a cross. From there, we, we find Jesus hanging on a cross, dying on Friday afternoon, being buried in a tomb, and then Sabbath arrives, the most somber Sabbath. And from there, we learn later in John that Mary Magdalene travels, walks to the temple, the, to the tomb, where she discovers a stone has been rolled away and the tomb is empty and someone has taken Jesus' body. Someone has stolen it and she runs to report to the disciples what she has seen, what she has learned, and that the body is missing. And that's when Peter and the disciple whom Jesus loved run 
to the tomb to discover it. It is just exactly as Mary Magdalene had described it, empty. Later that same morning, uh, Mary Magdalene returns to the, to the tomb, and there she, she meets the resurrected Christ. It's a beautiful moment as she recognizes the Christ and the calling of her name by her Lord, the Good Shepherd, who then tells her to go and tell the disciples what she has seen and what he has told her, which she does. And that's where we find ourselves. Later that day, as, as evening draws near, we begin to read in John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19 and reading through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails in my hand and his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in His name. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. To really understand what is happening here in this particular passage, we have to see the world from the perspective of those disciples, those men and women who followed Jesus for three years they were called by a rabbi. They followed to be his disciples, to, to, to follow and to learn and to pick up the mantle, to continue what had been begun. They followed the, the Jesus, this Messiah, <clears throat> loyally for three years. They didn't always understand. They weren't always exemplary, but they followed, at least until the point where it couldn't get any worse. When Jesus was arrested, judged, and crucified, they scattered. Peter denied. They hid. They were afraid. They doubted. They were confused. They were afraid, deeply scared of what might happen. 
And this passage takes us to where we find the disciples in that upper room, that Cataluma, where they had gathered just days before to celebrate Passover, to celebrate freedom, to recline and eat as free men and free women with their Lord, with their rabbi. The world looked great. The world was normal. The world was as it should be. But then, in a few short hours, the world began to change. And as the course of a few days, normal was no more. There was no normal. There was only change. There was only unknown. There was only despair. There was only discouragement. There was only loneliness. Think about that room. Re-entering that room. This, there's, a, there's a wonderful hypothesis, and, and I hope it's true about this room. Some scholars think that the room that they gathered in in John chapter 20 was the same room, the same Cataluma that they had gathered in for the Passover meal. And if that is true, if that is true, think about what it was like to gather in that space. And in that particular time, think about what that, that room offered for them. Consider what the reminders were in that room. Consider all that was going on, all the, all the things and the, the stuff that just acted as unpleasant reminders. The table where they shared a meal and they talked and they prayed, it was still there. The flickering candles and oil lamps, they, they illumined the room still. And the blankets and the pillows and the cushions in which they reclined and slept, they were still there. The faces of dear friends who had talked so freely and listened so intently, they were still gathered. The dishes and the baskets that had held so much food, more than enough, they were still there, maybe stacked in the corner of the table. Perhaps even that basin and the towel that Jesus used to wash his disciples' feet was still out still visible, still reminding of what it means to love. The doors and the windows that once displayed the world were still there. These things, all these things, were now painful reminders of what had happened only three days before. That upper room, that normal space used to gather and host family and friends seemed so normal just days earlier. But now... This space hosted little more than haunting reminders of what was and what could have been. For the disciples, through a lens of unbelief and doubt, the table now bore only hollow sorrow. The candles and lamps that could burn neither bright enough nor be extinguished. The blankets and the pillows felt neither comfortable nor warm. The friendly faces of friends now were drawn and trembling. The dishes and the Baskets were now empty of food and appeared only overflowing with guilt. The basin and the towel could not have seemed more offensive. And the doors and the windows were now poor barriers to a dangerous world. And this was their safe place. This was where they self-isolated. This is where they maintained their best self-imposed shelter-in-place order. How small it must have felt. How insufficient and how dangerous the world had become. This was a new normal. This was unknown, and at least for the time being. And that was when it happened. On that evening, 
At that time, as the disciples sat around the room, propping their heads on their elbows, holding their heads in their hands, wondering aloud who would be next, weeping, fuming with a combination of fear and anger. What a depressing and disturbing time. And that is where it happened. The walls, the doors, not even the locks could prevent Easter. The revelation of the risen Christ who offers hope and unimaginable future. This was the truth and the promise of the resurrection. It was a space filled with fear, with doubt, with concern, with anxiety, with just disturbing stillness and unknowing. And that is the space where the resurrection appears. We find ourselves in spaces very similar to the disciples. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what next week holds. We just keep listening to news reports and reading articles and wondering aloud to ourselves, when will normal return? Will normal return? And what will it look like? What will the future hold for us? Very similar to the disciples who lost Jesus to death only to find something new. Not just a new normal, but a new future. A new hope. A hope that was wrapped around and, and surrounded by the resurrection, the glory of Jesus' resurrection. And that's where we find ourselves today. Later, the disciples tell Thomas, who was not with them, you missed it. Jesus came, he's alive, he's risen, he's resurrected. He came, we were locked in this space, and, and he just showed up. Thomas tells him, as only Thomas would, I'm not, I don't believe you. I'm not going to believe you until I see the nail prints in his hand, and I touch the nail prints, and I can put my hand in the spear wound on his side. Then, then I'll believe. This is, this is Thomas to the core. This is the same man who in chapter 11 of John told the disciples, well, let us go to Jerusalem and die with him. Hey, Thomas had, had given up. He had resigned himself to what his future was. He followed Jesus knowing that the worst was lay ahead, that, that the end was not going to be good, that Jesus would be killed and he would probably die as well. Now he knew that Jesus had died and now he waited for his own demise. This was Thomas. A practical man, but a faithful follower of Jesus. And certainly we can learn something from Thomas about what it means and to, to not be in the faith community and to miss the divine presence, the resurrection the experience when he wasn't there with those, his fellow disciples. But there's another lesson here, and that's what I want to touch on, is that Jesus didn't stop in that community, but he, he reached out again to that community when Thomas was there, and he gave Thomas what he needed. He gave Thomas, that early disciple, a vision of his, of his hands, an opportunity to touch the nail prints, to, to reach his hand out and to touch the spear wound in his side. But Thomas, in seeing and hearing, declares, my Lord and my God. It's a powerful moment. And this is the change that takes place because of the resurrection, because of Easter. 
the old normal is certainly gone for the disciples. And our old normal may certainly be gone because of the coronavirus. We just don't know. And we don't know what the new normal, if there's a new normal, what it will look like. But we know this. We know that Jesus Christ appears to us, gives us what we need to hear, what we need to see, what we need to experience and sense. He gives us hope. He grants us a future. And that future is peace. And that's what we celebrate today in this lockdown period, in that locked room with the disciples, and even in our stay-at-home orders. Even when we are worshiping virtually, we know that Christ, the risen one, is with us. Thanks be to God for his holy word and for his presence with us today. At this place and at this time. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.